five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from Birmingham, England is aspiring young actor Marcel White. Marcel describes himself as an optimistic and positive man of faith, a dedicated and loving husband and father of two. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Marcel? I'm very, very excited to be on here. I'm good. I'm really excited as well. It really is a pleasure and an honor to have you on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast today. I've really been looking forward to your story because, as everyone knows, I love hearing Kidney Warrior stories to get that lived experience. You know, who feels it knows it. And also because as a young man, such as yourself, a man in his 20s, really getting the experience of our younger kidney warriors to also help and encourage other young kidney warriors as well. So, yes, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to start with my first question, which is how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? Brilliant, brilliant. So I was eight years old at the millennial year, 2000, and the doctors told my mom that in a decade's time, my kidneys would fail um, and that I'd be on dialysis for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so from that time up until 2010, I went through many different procedures. I basically lived in a children's hospital. I was on many different types of medication. And throughout that 10-year period, I also developed hypertension. doesn't help the kidneys at all because if your blood pressure is high, it puts a lot of pressure on your kidneys and causes the function of it to decrease or deplete. (laughs) So that was another thing to, to think about. I remember going to Canada for the first time. That was my first place that I went to abroad with my auntie to stay with her over the six weeks holiday in 2005. And when I came back, my doctor, Dr. Taylor, I really do hope, this is a quick side note, I really do hope one day, if he's, you know, still alive, I'd love to say thank you to him because that man was just absolutely incredible to me and, and my family. Very, very caring. Worked at the Birmingham Children's Hospital in England and I really salute that man. But yeah, I, I came back from the six weeks holiday, went from my normal checkups and he asked like where I've been, like what I've been doing. I was like, oh, I'll just come back from being in Canada with my family for six weeks. He was like, we may have to consider 
you actually going to live out there. I don't know if the air's different or whatever, but your kidneys are doing really well. There's no protein in your blood and, you know, all, all the other things that, you know, they talk about. But I think it was my auntie didn't play no games. When it was time to take my medication, it was time to take my medication and I didn't miss one. I didn't mistake in any. And I don't know, maybe there, there was something in the water, but yeah, I just kind of remember that. And I know he kind of said it in a jokey way, but I think he was kind of being a bit serious as well. But anyway, because of the development of the hypertension, it meant that my kidneys were actually failing at a quicker rate than maybe what they anticipated. In 2010, my kidneys hadn't failed, and they still haven't failed, by the way. And I do really thank God for that. I myself am a Christian. I actually got saved in 2010. And the way that I started to look at my health really changed. And so anyway, I would go for regular checkups. As I got older, you know, the tablets kind of minimized. I mean, I remember taking like 9, 11 tablets like a day as a very young boy. You know, I remember one day I said to my mom, mom, I'm not always going to take tablets for the rest of my life, you know. I just had this feeling inside that, you know, one day I won't need to take tablets. But what I didn't anticipate was that my diet was going to have a lot to do with that becoming a reality. So, but you know, when you're young, you say things, you're like, yeah. So yeah, in 2010, my kidneys didn't fail. But I, w- I would have to go for regular checkups as I got older. And you know, it started to become, if I'm going to be honest, it started to become a, a bit of an inconvenience because I, I never really felt sick. I'm, apart from the fact that I have chronic kidney disease, I'm not a sickly person, you know what I mean? I don't really get colds and stuff like that. I'm really active. So you had this diagnosis at eight years old and the doctors thought that your kidneys would fail a lot faster than, you know, and as you said, they haven't failed and we're going to keep it that way. Yes. So you had a lot of hospital appointments. So rewinding slightly. So, so what kind of age were you at the time when you were attending all of these appointments? It's a good question. I would say from eight years old through till I was about 18 and onwards, but the the amount between that 10-year period was a lot. There was so many different procedures I had to go through. And because of my high blood pressure, sometimes I'll go get checkups. My blood pressure is like 207 over wow. 123. And the, wow. like, they're, look, they're looking at me and they're saying, do you not feel unwell? And I'm like, no, I feel fine. Because as a child, I was very active, loved sports, loved football, basketball. Whatever the after-school club things were, I was there, I was active. So they would look at me and think, this is not right. And so sometimes they keep me in hospital. They're like, we can't, we actually can't allow you to go because this is stroke zone. And so sometimes they just, they will hospitalize me, they get me an award, they get me taking steroids. And in actual fact, I, I do remember taking steroid tablets and putting on quite a bit of weight. Yes. I, do, I do remember that really specifically. Everyone knows about steroids. <laughs> I'm putting on, you know, a considerable amount of weight. But yeah, I would say between the age of 8 and 18, an incredible amount of appointments, trying different tablets and, you know, all different types of procedures. So, so yeah, yeah. And what impact did that have on your everyday life as a young child growing up 
having all these procedures? Did that impact on school? Did that impact on your friendships and relationships with others? How did it affect you? Yeah, so I hated missing school and I hated coming in like the third period and people like, where have you been and stuff? And you just didn't really want to say, like I had this thing where I was like, I don't want anything. I don't want there to be anything wrong with me. And I don't want to have to explain to people that. I mean, I didn't really understand the seriousness of chronic kidney disease. I knew that's what it was called, but I just, I, I just didn't, I just assumed that, you know, I'm young, I'm going to kind of grow out of it. But it was a real inconvenience. And even the way, to be honest, this is something that I'm kind of realizing now. Like, even the way that I looked at my siblings, like, none of them was really ill. Like, none of them had a serious illness like I did. And I have six sisters, right? So there's seven of us, there's six sisters and, and me, the only boy. I'm like, what? why is the only boy the one with, like, seems to have all the issues, you know what I mean? All the illnesses and stuff. And so sometimes that was a bit frustrating as well. Not that I wanted them to be sick, but I was just like, it feels a bit unfair. And then when I got high blood pressure, I was like, what more do you want me to have? <laughs> do you know what I mean? How, like, how many more things can one person take? So it definitely had an impact in that way. But I'm a very optimistic person. Is that the right word? Yeah, optimistic. I'm a very positive person. So I always see the glass half full instead of half empty. And because of that kind of outlook, I never really allowed it to get me down. But what used to break my heart, D, if I'm going to be honest, because I spent a lot of time in the children's hospital and sometimes I would have to stay over. I'd be staying in wards with children that don't really leave the hospital. Their kidneys had already failed and were on dialysis. And I remember looking at... <sighs> heartbreaking stuff, man. I remember looking at, like they display boards within the children's hospital in the kidney wards. And then it would talk about the day trips that they would go out on just to leave the hospital for a bit and then come right back to the hospital. Like they basically lived it, you know? And I remember seeing that as a young child and thinking like, this is really sad. Like it's really, really sad. And it's something that I actually think about up until, you know, this day. And I do intend to, and I'm not just saying this to sound you know, anyway, I'm being serious. Like, I want to be able to go back and give back and give to these children that are in these wards with kidney failure because it's just not nice. It's just not nice. That's always impacted me, actually. Yeah, because I know what it's like somewhat to be in a, a hospital and basically be there all the time. So, yeah. So, as a young child then, you know, eight years old, roughly what stage of kidney disease were you at? What was your EGFR at that time? So I don't remember the specific number, but if I was to hazard a guess, I would say between 70 and 80%. And I think, you know, the doctors probably saw that and thought, yeah, definitely in 10 years' time, it looks like the rate in which his kidney function is depleted definitely in 10 years time they're going to be done finished and so again i didn't really understand the seriousness of that as a young child and i also thought to myself if i have a disease why doesn't it affect me like why why do i feel so good why do i feel so fine 
why do I feel so fine if I have this so-called disease? I think one of the only things that was quite embarrassing, actually, was how long I actually went to bed for. It had something to do with something to do with the kidneys, but also like the neurons and the brain and it telling me to wake up to use the toilet and all of that. So I, so I went to bed up until a very late age and then I just kind of grew out of it. But that was the only thing I would say that was a reminder like something's wrong with your kidneys, basically. But yeah, and I would say past 18 years old, so between being, yeah, between being eight and 18, obviously I was in the care of my parents. So I would have to go to my appointments and all those things. But as I started to become an adult, you know, and, and a young man, the appointments were started to become a bit of an inconvenience. And so, and I know that probably sounds a bit naive, but I just thought, I feel fine. Like, I can't be bothered to be taking time out of my day to go to appointments, to check my blood pressure, I take my blood and then I, and then I leave. Or they tell me something about my kidneys that I don't really care about. Because again, I still didn't understand the seriousness of it. And so that's when things took a turn for the worse, I would say, when I start to get in those checkups. Because what it also did as well, I guess mentally and psychologically, was made me think, I'm fine. Like, I'm going to be more than okay. And so it also had an effect on what I ate, my diet, all those things. Like, I just ate whatever I wanted to, you know. I had moments and seasons where I would try and eat healthy, but it was mainly some really bad stuff that was having a massive impact on my kidneys and I, I didn't know. And I, of course I wouldn't know because I stopped going to my checkups. You said that there were seasons where you would eat more healthier. When you weren't eating healthy, did you feel any impact at all or did you still feel fine? Yeah, that's a good question. I still felt fine because I've always been active, like whether it's football, the gym, swimming, I love swimming. You know, I'm always quite active. And in the seasons that I was trying to eat healthy, that was more for my blood pressure's sake. Now, I guess that's the difference. I think I was more concerned with the blood pressure because I knew that how that impacts the heart. So I started to become more aware of that as I got older. And so those were the reasons why I was trying to eat healthy. But again, because I don't go to my checkups, I don't know what my blood pressure is. So I just kind of carry on, really. But yeah, my diet was, was not good. And it really highlights the importance of attending medical appointments regularly because, like yeah. you said, you were still very active. You didn't actually have any noticeable symptoms to say that your yeah. kidneys were declining. So yeah. it really does highlight the point that I say many times on the podcast, you know, know your numbers, get yourself checked yeah. out. So as the years went on, what happened next? Yeah, it's a good question. So in 2017, I got married. I married a beautiful woman called Cindy. And she's always championed me in regards to my health and always challenged me about it. I think one thing that I'll just add that we don't need to go into detail about, but I was also diagnosed with epilepsy in 2011, which was just like another thing to add on to the, the chronic kidney disease and the high blood pressure. Um, but I guess, you know, the optimism that I was talking about increased because when I became a Christian, my outlook on just life was different. But Cindy's always challenged me 
to eat well, you know, get regular exercise and, and try and be consistent in that. And so when I got married, of course, you move area. Like, we, we moved to Dudley. And so I had to move GP, get a new GP. And then, obviously, you go for your checkup at your new GP. And so I would do that every now and again once we moved to Dudley. You know, they would ask me, Master, are you taking your tablets? Specifically about my blood pressure. Are you taking your tablets? Are you being consistent? And most of the times, I'll be honest with them, I'll be like, I can't lie. Sometimes I forget to take them because I don't feel ill. I don't feel, you know, anything. I feel fine. But like, we understand, but there's no way for us to get a complete, you know, and specific and clear overview on whether these tablets are working or not because you're so inconsistent. We, we can't really tell. We can't really get a full picture. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to set reminders. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But again, you know, I'll be going strong for a few weeks and then I'll just kind of fall off and not kind of feel any way about it because I didn't feel ill. So anyway, you know, the, the years rolled on, the years rolled on and we moved house last year. Uh, yeah, 2021. We moved house to another area. And so... The new GP realized, you know, my kidneys and that my last time I had a proper hospital checkup was like 2017, 2018, wow. probably 2017. So now, you know, that's like, what, like, yeah, yeah, it is. And so they were like, okay, we're going to send you to this hospital just to get the, not the kidney ward, the, what's the word? But yeah, I had to go get a checkup basically. And this was mid last year. Yeah, about May, June time last year. And so I got the checkup, you know, took the blood as it usually is. And then I was like, cool, I went home. And then they called me. I think it was the next day they called me. A doctor, and she was like, Marcel, your, your kidney function. No, she was asking me a few questions. And then she was like, your kidney function is at 20%. So that really took me aback. I was like, wow. It's like my, my heart sunk into my belly. I was like, what? Because the last, I do remember this, the last time my kidney was checked, the number was, I think it was 46%. Now, even back then, even hearing 46%, I was like, my kidneys are fine. They'll be fine. That's a good number. 46 is not too bad. But when she said 20%, Honestly, I was like, you know, you just think the worst. Like, yo, I'm, yeah. I'm, I didn't even think dialysis. I just thought I'm going to die. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. Like my I children, really yeah, my children, my wife, my family, everything. I, like my time is short. And so I, I kind of, you know, the doctor's talking to me and, and my wife's sitting next to me in the car. So I put the phone down and then, I, you know, I told my wife and I was like, like what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? What have I been doing all these years? My diet, everything. Like this has all played a part in where my kidneys are right now. And you know, my wife, being the amazing woman that she is, she just wasn't moved at all. Like I was panicking, and she was like, "Marcel, it's gonna be fine." And she just started to encourage me. She's like, "This is what we're gonna do. Just like a plan of action. You know, exercise. You know." really strict diet, you know, cutting out loads of stuff, salt and takeaways and just like loads of stuff. Because I was thinking to myself, 
God, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want my kidneys to fail. I don't want to be on dialysis. I don't want to. Like, I just don't want that. I mean, I don't. Nobody wants that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. So from that day, there was a complete shift. I started to do research into kidney functions. I started to look at different people's stories. You know, some people kidney function actually increased because they changed alongside with their doctors. They asked their doctors if they could try a specific diet or different types of diet. So, you know, a lot of their doctors would encourage them, keep taking your medication, keep doing your stuff. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, changing things, exercising, stuff like that. And, you know, I remember watching one guy's kind of testimonial on YouTube and his kidney function was at 12%. And they were preparing him for dialysis. And then he said to the doctor, look, just, just give me three months. Just give me three months to change my diet, exercise, all of that. He did all of that. And his kidney function increased up until 42%. Wow. That's like, incredible. Literally. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so like watching the videos gave me hope. And I was like, okay, cool. It's not okay, cool, I can breathe a bit. There's people out there that are also experiencing the same thing that I am experiencing. And after all these years, it took my kidney function to get to 20% for me to really understand like, oh, this is serious? Like, this is really serious? You know, your kidneys have the amazing job of cleaning your blood. Like, it's huge. So yeah, so, you know, I changed my diet. I was kind of doing my research. I was being consistent with taking my medication. I just got really disciplined because now I was thinking, okay, this isn't just about me being healthier. This is my life. You know, this is my children's life. Like I want to see my children grow. I want to see my grandchildren, my great grands, you know, if, if it's possible. And I have a responsibility to them and also the privilege to, to be consistent and Mm -hmm. to change how I'm eating and, and to do all these things. But yeah, like I have the responsibility to do that and to do it now and so I remember I started to go back and get my regular checkups again I was talking with the doctor you know and obviously as medical doctors have to do they have to prepare you for the worst basically they have to prepare you and say look we can never promise that your kidneys are going to get better in fact they're more than likely to get worse and so when I had the conversation with the doctor it was actually the 3rd of August last year which is my birthday it was the morning of my birthday and we were talking about how we can you know see what we can do to basically the doctor was saying to slow down how rapid the kidney functioning is depleting just right. to slow it down she said that we can't promise that we can stop it we can try best to slow it down and you know i was kind of like yeah okay cool like i fight courage i was like cool so a couple months after that i remember i was at home i'll never forget it. i came home from work on friday and there was a letter that came through the post early in the day so i opened it it was from the doctor she was like, Marcel, oh, no, 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 let me go back. On my birthday, when I went to work after the appointment, she called me and she says, last time your kidneys were functioning at 20%, they've actually gone down another 4% since then. Wow. So that was like another blow. I was like, you are kidding? So my kidneys are functioning at 16%. I was like, what is happening? So then going back now to that Friday, came home and I opened the letter. It was from the doctor. Lovely, lovely, lovely doctor. And she said, basically, in a nutshell, Marcel, your kidneys have increased 4%. Wow. 
Wow. And Dee, can I tell you, I fell to my knees and I was like, obviously I was thanking God. Yeah. I, I, I believe for me, you know, he has a lot to do with that. And I just needed that, like, that seed. Yeah. I just needed that seed just to say, okay, there's hope. Does that make sense? That, yes. that there is real hope here. Yes. That actually my kidney function, not only can it, like, not go down, can actually probably go back up the other way. And I just needed that sense of hope. And that 4% felt like 40%, if you know what I mean. Yes. That 4% felt like could have been 50, 60%. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I just, I just needed that just to know, okay, cool. You know, this is possible. And so, yeah, that, you know, since then, I've, I've tried my absolute best to, you know, continue with the exercise, eating well. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. Sometimes, can I be honest, I feel for an egg fried rice with crispy shredded beef and <laughs> and uh, chicken, sweet and sour chicken balls. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, it's that thing again where it's like, okay, it's not just about my health. This is my life. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And when that reality hits, it's really deep. And you know what? Can I just share something actually? My wife had a dream and this was before I found out my kidneys were at 20%. If I'm remembering correctly, it was before this. And in the dream, she said that we were at the hospital talking to this doctor and this doctor was saying to me, Marcel, basically you have so-and-so time to live because your kidneys are, are done. And I was saying, but I feel fine. I feel, in the dream, I was saying, but I feel fine. I don't understand. And she said to me in the dream, she says, on the outside, you look like nothing is wrong. No one would ever be able to tell that anything is going on on, on the inside of you because you look brilliant. But she says, inside, basically she was saying that my body was falling apart inside. And in the dream, my wife was like, okay, Masa, you can't go here anymore. You can't go there. We need to spend as much time together before you go. Honestly, I just tell him in a dream, I'm like breaking down inside because I'm like, this is crazy. But it was like a wake-up call to be like, come on now. Like, you've kind of played with your health for all these years, you know, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that's what you've done. But now you have an opportunity to do something about it. So let's do it. Do you know what I mean? Let's do something about it. One of the things I started doing, D, is juicing celery, like a whole stem of celery every morning and drinking a whole glass of that every morning. I believe that helped in the increase of my kidney function. I cut out salt altogether. So when I look at seasonings, right, because you know we love to season our food, right? So when I look at yes. seasoning, <laughs> so when I'm looking at seasons, I'm looking at if there's salt in there, if, if there's sodium in there, you know, and I just try to cut it out. And then I, would, I was eating a lot of fish because omega-3 oils in some fishes are really good. Uh, I was eating brown rice. I was mainly sticking to that. I was eating a lot of veg. I, I love fruit and veg anyway. Drinking a lot of water. I love water anyway. It's not that I weren't drinking water before, but I tried to drink more water than I was before because I also love juice. I love a lot of juice. But there's so much sugar in some of them, in all of them, to be honest. So I kind of cut back on that. I was exercising every day. And there was different variations. Sometimes I tried to stick to one thing, but it didn't always work. So sometimes I go for a run. 
other days are do your little workout in my garden. Sometimes I go to the gym, but I had to do something. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what it was. Even if it was a little, little workout in my house, push-ups, sit-ups, a little whatever it was, I just needed to do something. And so, yeah, like my diet just changed completely. I still need to be more consistent with it. With the whole thing, with exercise, with, you know, eating well and all these things, there's still a way for me to go. But I feel like, you know, since finding out that my kidneys are at 20%, I've kind of been on a warpath, <laughs> if you will, because I'm like, this thing's not taking me out. And you know what it did as well? Within this time period, I actually stumbled across your podcast and I couldn't believe the, <laughs> you know, I've known you for quite a few years now. And I could not believe what happened to you. Like when I listened to that first podcast and listened to what you had experienced, honestly, you should have seen me in my kitchen. I was just like, absolutely shocked, but also very encouraged that one, there's someone that I know personally that is going through a similar thing. But also I was encouraged because I was like, oh, I suddenly felt like I could be a part of a community of, warriors for one you know I me mean? yeah. fighters people that are pushing back and saying we're not just gonna settle and be like oh you know our kidneys are going no we're gonna do everything that we can in our power to keep them to retain them to increase them and so when i stumbled upon your podcast i was like wow just some amazing stories and yeah just really humbled actually just really um humbled at people's experiences and really challenged and really encouraged and I just felt like, like, that's why I'm so honored to be on this podcast now. I didn't think when I was listening to that, that I would, <laughs> <laughs> that, that me and my story would be on the podcast. So, you know, I'm just very honored to be on here, but also to share my story as well so that it could, you know, encourage somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That dream that your wife had was so, so powerful. and. Yeah. To hear your journey of, you know, starting off, it was a long way off potentially. And then that period where you kind of thought, well, I'm fine and didn't get yourself checked out to then suddenly be confronted with that oh. rapid, you know, yeah. it would feel overnight, but obviously it wasn't overnight. But getting that shock news that your kidney function had gone so low and then after that hearing that it went even lower. When you said about the 4% increase, I really understand what you mean. Like four is like <laughs> 40. I really do yes. understand what that means because as you know, from my story, I was plummeting very, very fast because my kidneys had been unbeknown to me, had been failing over a period of years. But when I was admitted to the hospital, my kidney function plummeted, it nosedived right down. And so I was like hurtling towards needing dialysis. I was going there thick and fast. Whoa. And when they started to pick up and like you said, that four, you know, that four further away from that danger zone just made all the difference. And I really applaud you for making that change and making that difference because for some people, even though they are married, even though they have children, it still may not be enough for them to make yeah. that change. And well, so I really applaud your efforts and I hope and pray that your kidney function continues to climb and continues to get better and better every single day. Yeah. And 
as you know, this podcast is about encouragement. It, it really is about speaking life into people. It really is about choosing to live. And, you know, when you made that statement about feeling a part of a community of warriors, this is what is at the heart of Die of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And what I wanted to ask you was, because I know and it's well known that men especially, it probably sounds like a stereotype, but unfortunately no, no. it's not a stereotype. It is mm. an unfortunate truth that a lot of men wait a long time to get medical treatment. They don't get themselves checked out at the doctors. And yeah. usually by the time they get medical care, it's quite advanced into yeah. their sickness, whatever their sickness might be. So yeah. what I would like is if you could speak to that young man listening who may have had a diagnosis, whatever the diagnosis is, whether it's kidney disease, hypertension, diabetes, whatever the chronic condition is, or they might not have had a diagnosis and they're having some kind of symptoms so they mm. know that something's not quite right. Yeah. But for whatever reason, whether it's fear, whether it's whatever reason it might be, could you give them a word of encouragement, some advice so that they can be empowered to get themselves checked out? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's, you explained it so, so beautifully. A lot of the times there is this, there is this myth or misconception that men, like amongst men, that we don't need to go to the hospital, you know, as long as my elbow's not hanging off or my, my shoulder's not up into my ears, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm fine. I can get over it. I can put a bit of Vicks on and take a few paracetamols. I'll be fine. But honestly, seriously, honestly, you know, whoever's listening out there to this podcast, if you are having symptoms, if there's something going on, if you know you have chronic kidney disease or whatever the disease is, but you feel like I'm fine because I feel fine, please don't make the mistake that I made to stop getting checked out. Our doctors, yeah, and, and those who look after us have our best interests at heart. We have an incredible National Health Service that put their lives on the line, basically, and really are selfless in wanting the best for people, wanting the best. And one thing that I've learned is that true wealth is actually health. True wealth, yeah, is not so much in money or what you can attain. It's not even so much the longevity of life. Sometimes, actually, it's the quality of that life. Because you could live a long time, but the quality of the life isn't the best. And so what I'd true. say is this. Just go and get the checkup. What you're, and you know what? I will say this to them as well, D, for those who are listening. That actually, there were moments that I, one of the reasons why I stopped going to get checkups is because I didn't want to know if my kidneys were getting worse. I didn't want to face that. And that's the thing for a lot of us. We don't want to face what may be a reality. But let me tell you something. The very thing you try and avoid is the very thing that you're going to come full circle around and end up doing anyway. But if you met the fear head on in the first place, you can fight it in a different way. But don't wait till it's 20%, 15%, 10% or, or whatever it is advanced in whatever the sickness may be. Don't wait to that time because the thing that you was trying to avoid has come around full circle and you've now had to face it by force. But choose today. Don't let it be by force. Choose today encounter that thing head on don't let fear stop you because here's the thing i believe you are an overcomer i believe whatever the illness is whatever the disease is yeah 
And I'm not saying this in a naive way. Yes, I'm optimistic, but I genuinely believe that diet can change so much. I've seen personally, I've known people who have had cancer, who have literally like shifted their whole diet and the cancer has depleted. I know that's not everyone's experience, but what I'm saying is, is that what we consume, what we eat, I'll even speak to people from my culture. We love to season everything. From the time I was born till now, when I think about the things that we consume, it's not that you can't have seasoned things and it's not that we can't enjoy certain delicacies from our culture, but you have to find a balance. You have to think about, okay, I'm okay for now because I'm young or my metabolism's good, but over time, what that effect has on you. I was having high blood pressure in my teens. Like, it's just mind-boggling. And so what I say is, think about your diet. How can you change your diet? And it may just be one thing. Sometimes we hurtle ourselves into trying to change everything. Mm. But it may just be, actually, let me just try to drink more water. That may be the start. I'm not really a, a veg man, but maybe I can boil it down and pull it within some brown rice. I'll try it that way. Whatever you can do, do it step by step. You get in control. Don't allow the desires of hunger to have you eating all sorts of madness. That's not good for your health. And also what I say as well is diet and exercise. Guys, I know people that hate running, but you know what they do? They walk. They go out for long walks or short walks and walking more or less does the same thing. You know, just whatever it is that you love. I love swimming, for example. So I will go swimming a lot. That's a part of my exercise. Some people love gym. Some people love working out at home. But whatever it is that is within your remit, whatever it is that you can do, just do it. Because you don't want to get to a point where it's almost too little too late. And I believe right now, today, the very fact that you're still alive, you have an opportunity to make different decisions and do something different. And, you know, there's people around you that absolutely love you. And no one wants to see your life being cut short because of decisions that we could have made differently. So basically, yeah, that's what I would say. Let's come out of this stigma of men not going to hospitals and doctors. It doesn't make you less of a man. In fact, it makes you a man and a strong man to face what you think may be the thing to rob you of life and be like, no, I'm facing it head on. I can deal with this thing. So that's, yeah, that's what I'd say. I think there's more things to say. Obviously, I can't say everything, but what I'd say is get the checkups. Think about your health. Think about your diet and think about your exercise. There's people that absolutely love you and need you and need you to be not just alive, but strong, not just so much longevity of life, but quality of life. So you take life by the horns is what I would say. And get in control, get in control of your desires, get in control of the things that usually do rule us. If I feel like a Chinese, I'll get a Chinese. That's how it used to be. If I feel like a McDonald's or a KFC or whatever it was, I'll get those things. If I don't feel like I want to exercise one day, I won't do it. But discipline, discipline does things even when it doesn't feel like doing it. And trust me, you will thank yourself further on in life that you made the commitment now to do something. So yeah, that's what I'd say. Wow. That was really, really powerful advice. Thank you so, so much. No worries. No worries. What question do you wish that I'd asked you? <laughs> um, what question? Maybe I, I wish you would have asked me 
has this ever affected my mental health? Okay. So has your chronic illnesses ever affected your mental health? Yes. And please understand, I'm not, I don't take mental health issues as serious. And I also don't self-diagnose. But I do know that there have definitely been moments where I felt like a failure. I felt like I'm letting people down because of my illness. And also, there's been times, I'll even say as a Christian, where I've been angry towards God and been like, this is not fair. You know, this is not fair. But can I be honest with you, Dee? In those moments, you know, it's like the saying where you say, oh man, I've only got one pair of trainers or I've only got one pair of shoes to wear. And then you see someone with no feet. It just gives you a totally different perspective on life. And the things that you'd usually complain about and the things like the illness kind of fit your mental health and the way you see it, with the right perspective, you're able to see that actually I'm alive, like, let me be grateful for one, one, for that reason. And two, I have, because I'm alive, I have an opportunity to do something about what is affecting me. And it doesn't mean that I still don't have days where I feel like this is a lot. It feels like a massive mountain and a massive hurdle. So there's days where I feel really confident. and I'm like, my kidneys are going to get to 100%. And there's other days where I'm like, what if my kidneys are really failing? Not not really failing like they were fake failing. No, what if they're really going down? And what if I have to start, you know, getting dialysis? Or what if it's even worse than that? And one day I, I feel fine and then something happens where I'm like, my body goes into shock because my kidneys stop functioning. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's, yeah, I would say it's definitely affected my mental health. But in the midst of that, I rise up out of it knowing, okay, I know this is real, but I can actually, instead of me just sitting in that place, let me get up and do something. Do you know what I mean? There's a saying that says you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes. And you can relate that to so many different things, business and success and all of that. But I I, I think you can also relate it to, to your health as well. If I don't do something, I am receiving the very thing that I don't want to happen because I'm refusing to do something. So, yeah, I I think it's definitely um, affected my mental health in different ways. But I think out of those places or in the midst of those places, I rise up and I understand I can do something. And can I just say this? That's all anybody can do. If you've done your best, and sorry, can I quickly speak to those who who are on dialysis? I'm I'm not saying dialysis is the be all and end all. Um, that's not what I'm saying at all. I know people who are on dialysis right now, people that I absolutely love and I'm believing for that, that something will still happen. A miracle will still happen. Their kidneys will start working again. That's the optimism in, in me. So I'm not saying that dialysis is the be all or end all. That is not what I'm saying. But what I would say is that wherever you are on the spectrum, wherever you are percentage wise, don't lose hope. You are alive. Don't, lose hope and we're here together on this journey guys and we just need to yeah keep encouraging each other because i know some days are difficult and i know some days are like this is not fair i understand 
but we gotta keep fighting and we gotta keep doing our best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's absolutely amazing and so powerful what you're saying. So encouraging. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for having me and thank you for being so bold <laughs> to create this platform, honestly. Yeah, very, very good. Very good. Yeah. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you or follow you online, where can they do so? Yeah, brilliant. So on Instagram, it's Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L underscore C underscore white, like the colour. So that's Marcel underscore C underscore white. That's Instagram. On Facebook, it's just Marcel White. And on Twitter, it's at M White with, with a Z. So that's M-W-H-I-T-E-Z. Um, and you can follow me on there as well. I actually shared some of my, my journey with my illnesses on Instagram. You can probably go check that out on my page if you'd like to. So you heard that, guys. Marcel is on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So please do follow him and show some support. And as Marcel said, his story is on there. So please do check it out. So have you got a final word? of encouragement for the listeners yeah i'd say don't lose hope i'd say share your story because there's power in sharing your story and other people being like oh i'm not the only one i'm not the only one you know there's a part in the bible that says a cord of three is not easily broken and i believe that we are stronger together do not suffer in silence do not suffer alone connect with someone share with someone we need you um as much as you need us we all need everybody needs someone um and say so and so i say don't lose courage don't lose hope you are a champion and you will overcome um thank you so much for being bold and sharing your stories and for those who are on the cusp and feel like they want to or they should but are worried about what people will think or say Listen, it doesn't matter. It's your life. It's your experience. And somebody out there will benefit from hearing what you've experienced or what you're going through. So, yeah, I'd say be encouraged, guys. We are champions. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing such inspiring and encouraging advice you've been absolutely amazing thank you so so much thank you Dee. and i just want to say again i really respect and honor you for what you're doing honestly it's guys you know this may be your first time listening to to these podcasts but please connect please follow um she's doing amazing work within the community and trust me the <laughs> You may not see the fullness of the impact that you're having, but just know that you're having a massive impact. And we need people like you to pioneer and to spearhead conversations, platforms, and create communities like this so that people know, man, they're not alone. They're not alone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care 
and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.